the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome to everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast on the Land, on the Land Grant Podcast Network. Off to a great start. But as always, I'm here with Jordan Williams, and we're getting into it all today. How you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm good. I can't complain. I'm glad it's Thursday. It felt like Thursday two days ago. This is one of the longest weeks of my life. So I'm ready for an actual weekend, which starts by the time you're listening to this. Uh, maybe not. Maybe you still got about eight hours or whatever if you're at the beginning of your workday. But the weekend starts as you're listening to this. So very, very much in need of it. It's yeah, what you, this is the what you longest week of my life. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you got back from Mexico and then you had to readjust to reality. Yeah, which and you would think last week would have been like that, but last week was a breeze, and that was actually my first week back. This week is like, man. Yeah, you know, you kind of get excited to get back when you're from when you're on vacation, right? And then after you get that, like, you're all refreshed, you're all relaxed, and then you get to that next weekend, that first Sunday scary since you've been back sits in. You're like, man, I do have work tomorrow. That's fun. And then you realize it's back to work. Um, but that's why we have this podcast, too. So you, me, the fans, the audience, even if you're not a fan, you get to escape with us. And that's why on Friday, you start your weekend when you put this show on because work's done. Work's done. Uh, I have a busy weekend this weekend, but even if I don't, it's just nice to like, you know, just not do anything. I don't know. This week is just super taxing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I feel like someday, like, I feel like we're starting to get in that nice weather. So getting stuck inside, you know, it's just not as nice. It's not as fun. Like in the winter, it's kind of easy to get through like a work week. You know, every once in a while, you're like, oh, well, at least like, I got nothing to do. I can't go outside because it's freezing cold. But now it's like, it's warm. Like, I want to feel that fresh air. I want to be outside. That's, it weighs on you when you're inside and you're seeing, you're seeing the sun outside. Yeah. Back when, the, back during the pandemic days when I used to work from home, I would work outside. Or I would just like, you know, not work for like 10, 15 minutes, go for a walk, all that kind of stuff. I was not the biggest fan of working from home, but that was my favorite part about working from home. Because especially with my job, like I didn't, I'm salary, so I don't have to clock in, clock out. So like, obviously, you know, I got to get my work done. But when I didn't have meetings or something, I was just like, go walk outside, take a break, something like that. Man, uh, that is one of the things, that is one of the freedoms you don't get when you're back in the office. 100%. 100%. But um, hopefully uh, we get through this this transitional, you know, it's warm. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a good summer. Remember that. Um, But, yeah, let's get started today. Um, We've got a lot to talk about. You know, not any real important stuff, not any real important stories this week. Uh, Our editors put us in charge of the Ohio State football program, the Big Ten Conference, kind of whatever we wanted to be in charge of. We definitely ran with it. Um, We also have some recruiting news to discuss. 
we've got we're going to go through the Big Ten quarterbacks. We're going to rank the situations based on who's there, the depth, and if a team's in trouble. And then the NCAA football video game had some name, image, likeness updates. Um, ACC granted rights. It's getting messy. Uh, we all knew that was going to come. We just didn't know how long or when. And then our final thoughts for the day will be Southern Academic Failures, my favorite. Um, but before we do that, we are going to get into recruiting. And that's where we're starting the show with today. Um, I, I don't know. I like to, I'll give you the first choice on which story you want to start with. Um, what stories catching your eye a little bit? Which one do you want to get into first? Um, we can get into uh, we can get into the two. So on our list A and C, the ones that have to do actually no, I guess the first three have to do with that team up north. We can just go in order then. All right, let's let it ride. So the first one um, on three recently got put in two Aaron Scott predictions, uh, moving the RPM machine up into the high 80s and 90%. Uh, Chad Simmons, the Steve Wolfong on three, and Spencer Holbrook, longtime Letterman Row employee, put in their predictions for Aaron Scott. This has been a relatively messy recruitment for fans. Um, due to who Ohio State's directly recruiting against. Um, we know, uh, I think Ohio State fans still have the Jordan Marshall recruitment on their memory despite Ohio State adding two running backs, one who outperformed Marshall directly at camp. Um, but still, you don't want to lose recruits to that team up north. But I, I feel like there is a lot of noise around this recruitment. I feel like there is a lot of momentum. This is probably... You know, the Jordan Marshall one, I could look past, right? Um, Ohio State had another five-star or high four-star running back in the wings waiting. They got him. You could look past it. This one, I can't look past even if Ohio State lands another corner because Ohio State's been struggling at defensive back. You have a top 50 player in your backyard. You have a guy who can be a legitimate difference maker depth-wise. He's got all the skills. He's got the exact build and makeup of a Ohio State cornerback recruit. And you don't you do not want to have those elite DBs going across your elite receivers because the best way to cancel cloud an elite receiver is having an elite defensive back. So there's a lot of levels to why this recruitment's important. Um, but I feel like the momentum's very good with Ohio State. And a big reason for that is Charles Lester III, a five-star recruit, um, is no longer visiting Ohio State. And if you're following along with me here, a recruit cancels a visit that was scheduled. Why would they do that? It's probably because someone else is getting that scholarship spot that Ohio State has shown interest in. And that also adds to if Ohio State doesn't land Aaron Scott and Bryce West, it's a colossal failure. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that you're missing the most important piece of all of this. And the most important piece is that Aaron Scott goes to Glenville. And not only is he a high-rated Ohio guy, who, in almost every case, Ohio State doesn't miss on. Glenville, while it has not had the recruits that it's had previously, is the premier Ohio State pipeline in Ohio. It's oh, not Pickerington Central or North. It is the Glenville kid. Aaron Scott from Springfield. Mm. 
Oh, well, never mind. So all the same stuff goes for Bryce West, though. Because he is also... Isn't Bryce West already committed? Uh, I do. I don't believe so. Which one is the higher ranked one? Uh, depends on the recruiting service. I thought I thought there was a pretty big West difference between the two. Forty seventh in the composite and one seventy five in twenty four seven sports nationally. Aaron Scott is thirty six nationally and sixty in the composite, so they're kind of both in the same range. Um, uh, that's interesting. They must have. Um, they, uh, one of them must have gotten a really high jump because last time I looked at this, one was in the 30s and the other was in the hundreds. And so, okay, yeah, well, we're just gonna act like I didn't say anything that I just said. Well, it's because funny that both Ohio kids are both getting recruited heavily by Michigan. They're both in areas Ohio State's had recent success. It's Tim Walton versus Steve Klingscale directly. Both quarterback coaches. So, like, this is they're, – they're, they're two personal battles, right? Like, they are two guys uh, who are from the Ohio area. They're two guys who are going to be recruiting directly against each other for quite some time. And, I mean, this this battle, it, it's, it's really probably the biggest battle on so many levels because you, you look where both Walton – and they both played college football in the state of Ohio. They both know the lay of the land, him and Clink Scale. So I, I really just think this is just one of those battles, or I guess two battles. Aaron Scott, who's gotten recent momentum. Bryce West, who's kind of been leaned towards Ohio State from a recruiting expert standpoint for some time. It's it's personal. It is. This is where, like, if Ohio State, like, Michigan's still not recruiting elite receivers. So if Ohio State's giving the elite defensive backs and the elite receivers, it just sets them up for more success. And that's why it's incredibly personal, these recruitments. Yeah, so this is hilarious. And it's not really funny. It's just interesting. For me personally, half the reason I cared about this, because, like, recruiting is very hit or miss for me, is because I thought he was a Glenville kid. And he's not. And so now I'm like, oh, wow, I've been kind of wasting energy on this. Um, Also interesting, because I typically kind of stick with 247. Bryce West is rated 175 at 247's top 247. Yeah, their own rankings. But in in the composite... He's 47, 47, um, which is crazy because I like I've risked with the composite. You could see where everyone's coming from. I don't think they've added on three yet. And ESPN is like historically low on everyone. So I'm trying to figure out who, how is he? How does he go from 175 to 47? Someone uh, has to have him as like a top 10 player or something crazy. That's a that's a really large jump. Yeah, let me pull it up real quick. I'll get the I'll get the scoop on this. We'll go to on three because they do show where everybody okay. ranks. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm gonna restate my opinion and just act like I didn't say it. I now agree with everything you said with less emphasis because it's not Glenville. Um, you cannot lose a player from Glenville ever. Like not to Michigan, not anywhere else. Glenville is the premier Ohio program for Ohio State talent. 
they fell off for a couple years and now they're back. We got uh, Arvell Reese. There's a tight end, I'm pretty sure. There's a corner this year. There's somebody else. Like they have four or five players on this current team. Uh, four or five, including last year, who are should be Buckeyes, which that has not happened in a long time. I think they should have, what, it's three Buckeyes this year alone because the tight end is the corner, and isn't there another player? Um, either way, whatever it is, I wish you could pull up high schools on this. That would be crazy. I could actually look at the state rankings probably. I know that there's at least two. I think there's a third player from Glenville. You just can't – you can't lose that. You can't lose – um, again, a Glenville player. But at the end of the day, it is good that Aaron Scott is um, leaning towards Ohio State, that we're finally getting these commitments in because, as you mentioned and as we've mentioned before, corner has not been great at Ohio State. We've had very crazy drop in recruiting, ranking, and in success with our corners. And as we talk about all the time, why did Alabama have the best class last year? Because they had like eight top 100. They had like 12 or 13 top 100 players in the state, something crazy, and they got a whole bunch of them. Ohio has not been super high with top 100 players um, recently. And there's two best players in Ohio are both top 60 players and they're both corners. So they're the best players in Ohio. They're both at a position of need, a position where you're really young and you could still lose a couple people this year to the draft. Yeah, at least one of them. You need to you keep have to have to get this year. Yeah, you, you can't miss it. I mean, when's the last time we got a top 60 corner? Um, it's been a while. I remember someone Jeff in Okuda, our maybe? article about that. Um, Who's the last five-star corner we've had? Um, let's go. I mean, I wasn't prepared for this part, but it's been a while. It's been some time. Um, I think Jordan Hancock was the last. No, because he was in the 140s. Yeah. Um, Berkeley receiver. Um, there's not one on this team. Um, it was definitely before the Lejon Cavazos, Ryan Watts class. So it would have to be back to close to 2019. Yeah, and I think it's even further than that. Um, um, and the last thing on this before um, you, you say what you were, what you were looking up, um, there are four – Ohio State only had Ohio, the state of Ohio, only has three top 100 players this year, which is terrible. That's that's horrible. Yeah. And I they believe also, the last one was Sean Wade, 17. Oh, my God. I um, knew it was a while. 2017. I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to find a more recent one, but I, we're getting I, pretty I low. think that's going to be it. I think that's going to be it. Yeah, Ohio State I has mean, four players in the top – five players in the top 150 total and two of them are going to Michigan. If Aaron Scott went to Michigan, that would have been three of the top five. That is, that is, that's fireable. Like you could fire Ryan Day before the season started if you let that happen. Yeah. And I mean, it's not looking like it will if you just go by any of the expert predictions. So that's a good sign. I think when we look at it, Jermaine Matthews had a fast climb. He was the top 100 crew by the time it was all done. I think they've definitely picked it up the last two years. Um, Walton's done a good job. I, you know, when we talk about coaches in their first year, it's about cleaning up the guys that you need to. And then if you could win some of these tougher battles, you can get it. Year two is where you really see what a recruiter's made of. And just looking at Walton's list, Walton's offers, he was not going after any small fish. He was going after... 
the albatrosses in the recruiting, and he, that's outside of the state of Ohio. And then if he could land the in-state, the Ohio kids as well that are ultra-talented, I think this could be one of the best corner classes Ohio State's had since 2017, since 2016. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, and when you have two in the top 60, it, it should be that no matter what. Because, like, in Ohio or outside of Ohio, any program in the country, getting two players in the top 60 at the same position is a good class. Now, when they're both in your state, it's a must-have class. So, And it's not that you're guaranteed. I'm just going to say guaranteed in that and so much that you need to put the work in to keep players home. So let's say you're guaranteed two of them. That means you just need to get one out of the other however many across the entire country and you could have three top 100 corners yeah and that's absurd that is the type of class like the 2017 class it was Akuda, it was wade it was an elite class and then you don't even necessarily need all of them to hit it just like we always talk about it gives you the most opportunity to not have a miss and that's really what it's all about when it comes to recruiting against your rival especially and if it was like Aaron Scott like Ohio State versus like Florida or you know a team Miami it would be different but when you're recruiting against someone who's beat you in back-to-back Big Ten championships that adds a little bit more weight to the recruiting battle and that's why I think these corners are such an important win for not only Walton not only Ryan Day but for the entire program yeah, absolutely. And I just pulled it up. There are 11 corners in the top 100. Two of them are in Ohio. You're going to get two of the top 11 corners in the country. And then, like we mentioned, you just have to name get land one more. And guess who is it's seemingly decently high on Ohio State? The number 57 player in the country, Zabian Brown from Modern Day. Oh, another Ohio State stomping ground. Like, And that's not to say that we're going to get him. Right. But that gives you another shot at it. Right. Then there's Kobe Black, who is in Texas. Ohio State does well in Texas. That's another guy. There's Selman Bridges, who I haven't heard any rumors about, but that's a Texas guy. Corian Gibson, Texas guy. Ohio State does good in Texas. Marcellus Williams, St. John Bosco. Where do we do good at in, in, in California? St. John Bosco and Matter Day. So that is like seven players that Ohio State has some sort of tie to and that they're in Ohio or they have good relationships with the coaches and maybe even have some of their teammates on the roster. And again, you're never guaranteed to get them, but this is the type of class that you hope for. And this is the benefit to finally having a good class in state because you get your two, you get another one. You just set your future in one class. And that's that's what happened. That's what happened with defensive tackle. We got Jack Sawyer, defensive end. Sorry, we got Jack Sawyer. Well, defensive line. Sorry, let me just say the whole thing. Defensive line. We got Jack Sawyer and Mike Hall in state in the same class. DND tackle. They worked their ass off to go get JT. That's three of our best players on the entire team currently. And then you also had Tyleek in the class, which I don't remember where Tyleek came from. 
but they reset the whole defensive line in one class, and two of the top players in that class were in Ohio and were both top 100 players. Like, that is the benefit. That changed the whole outlook of our position group. Think about what our defensive line would look like and it's hard to do because you don't know who else would be here at transfers or whatever, but our entire defensive line is one class. It's Ty Leak, it's JT, it's Zach, it's uh, Mike Hall. And then there's Ty yeah. Hamilton, who was before, but also an Ohio kid. So it's yeah, like, and I'm pretty sure Ty Wilhelm Malone was in that class as well. Uh, so you're basically built on the same class. Yeah. So five guys basically in the same class is pretty monumental when you look at it. So um, um, so yeah, overall, I think this is an important recruitment. I think anyone would argue it. Uh, this was also the uh, yeah, so Taiwan was in the JT Jack Sawyer class. Wow, yeah, that's that's tight league. Um, that's pretty crazy. Um, so you got four top twenty defense alignment in the same class. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah, but I mean, again, set literally the entire class, the entire that one class changed our defense, and hopefully changes it more because we haven't, you know, been getting. I mean, we haven't been getting, we haven't had a guy like we've had guys before. But as a whole, this is even last year one of the better defensive lines as a group that we've had because. I want to remind y'all, the Chase Young defensive line was not good. It was just Chase Young. (laughs) That's why they weren't good when he left. Because nobody else in that line was was great. It was basically the LeBron um, 2018 Cavaliers team when they lost... um, They got struck by the Warriors. Yeah, when they lost Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith uh, lost his mind. That was basically that defensive line. Um, what else we got? All right, let's get into the next one. Um, this one is the opposite side of what we were just talking about. Elias Rudolph turning towards that team up north. Uh, he's kind of an undersized edge player. We don't even want him anymore. So, um, <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, the reason I, I tweeted this out, Elias Rudolph was talking about his visit with Ohio State. Um, he's still holding some crystal ball predictions. The RPM machine moved a little bit on uh, – on three so you know depending on who your experts are depending on who you trust um it is value but the only reason i think elias ruoff is a truly interesting recruit he's not um probably the premier guys larry johnson's recruiting this year but he fits into the jack position he's that exact type of athlete he's got that skill set and i think that is all it's going to be an interesting thing to monitor every single recruiting class what type of edge players are going to fit the traditional defensive end mold which types of edge players are they recruiting because they think they can come in and be that versatile hybrid player and that's really uh that's really all i got there yeah i mean uh, all I have to say, I don't have anything to say about, you know, this guy personally. You win some, you lose some. Uh, I will say that it would be great to get him for the reason that you said, and it's largely just because you need to start recruiting to that position. Like, you know, for however long that um, 
for however long that Larry Johnson is here, I think he's going to have an issue with you taking a traditional defensive end, someone that he recruited to be a traditional hand-in-the-ground defensive end, and putting him into that position. I'm already on the record that I think that should come out of the linebacker room, which is also easier because you are the linebacker's coach, essentially, Jim Knowles, and that is a position that you created and brought here. But either way, you need to pick people and say whether Jim Knowles or Jim Laurinaitis or um, Larry Johnson recruits them, you need to say, hey, Larry, he is the jack. Like, he's not a hand in the the defensive lineman. I want you to wrap your head around that now so when he gets here, we don't have to fight about it like they did with Jack, which makes sense because Jack, despite his athleticism, is probably going to be best hand on the ground. So even if it's not this guy, even if it's not Elias Rudolph, they need to start recruiting to that position. So ultimately, it would be great if we got him. But, I mean, you can't get everyone. So. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's the thing. When you look at Larry Johnson, recruit, he's the primary recruiter, according to the website. We all know that's just first point of contact stuff. I, I do think um, you, you can't see 64205 and think that's Larry Johnson's defense end. Like, you just can't. Larry Johnson has never recruited someone like that. Yeah, and if like I Javante Jean Baptiste was recruited as an athlete and he was still like two hundred forty pounds in high school. So even like guys that are tweeners to, like from linebacker to outside linebacker to defensive end, even when there is sort of a message, they are a little bit on the bigger side. So I think there's one place he plays at Ohio State and I mean I, I I see how Michigan's defense line is. It's what's his name? Braden McGregor. It's Mike Morris last year. It's like they're bigger defensive ends. I mean, he definitely doesn't fit what Michigan is doing right now. I mean, Michigan, like most of their players, except for uh, the last guy, not Mike Morris, um, Aiden Hutchinson, most of them don't really have more than five, six, seven sacks at Michigan. And then they still go in the first round because they're like, Michigan's scheme does not lead for you to get sacks. That's not how they want their defensive linemen to play. They're almost always 6'4", 6'5", 270, 280, a little bit bigger. They almost play like a 3-4 type defensive end type situation, linebacker weird thing, which is not actually what the actual defense is. It's just kind of like the body type that they have. And so that would be, I mean, an athlete's an athlete, but that would be interesting to see Michigan with that type of body type because that is not, even even more so than us, that is not the type of, you know, defensive end that they go for. Yeah, 100%. Or the, ones been, or the ones they've been successful with. If I was Larry Johnson, that would be my main recruiting pitch. It's like what we talked about with JT Tuamaleu a few years ago. Um. Like with Alabama, comparing him against him, it's like you are not going to be that outside linebacker edge rusher there. You might be the big defensive end, but more than likely you're probably going to move into the three technique because they tend to have smaller three technique bodies that are more athletic. Michigan tends to have bigger defensive ends. Like unless you're Aiden Hutchinson, unless you're um, more of the athletic, traditional NFL pedigree edge rusher, you're not going to be – there's not really a natural fit there. And I think that's something, despite Michigan having a first visit, despite, you know, Ohio State kind of being put in the middle of that, 
it's something you can really develop and really pitch against. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see kind of how that one ends up. Um, I, I I hate to credit, you know, but it's not even crediting. It's just kind of speaking out loud what anyone can find. Michigan is recruiting for once. Yeah, they're doing a good job. I, I, they're still, I mean, they're still well behind Ohio State's pace, but they're doing a good job. Yeah, but don't at least one at one point they had the number one class in the country very recently. Yeah, I mean it was one of those we have more players than everybody else, and they're all because when you look at the composite average, and obviously we all know that's more important. Um, Georgia's in second with twelve players. Ohio State's in third with thirteen players. Michigan's in first with seventeen players. Um, and they're only four points ahead of Georgia and 11 points ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, 11 points is pretty significant, but... Not with four recruits, though. It was like a yeah. four recruit. Four recruit um, and Ohio, the Ohio State has a, almost a two-point player average higher. 9307 yeah. versus 9126. So, so it's it's going to be a battle, but... I don't think Ohio State's going to be in the business of recruiting players that would bring that down. I mean, we have a lot of really high players left on the board. Who knows if we get them, like Sammy Brown's still on the board. Um, I was actually just going through the top 247 and players that have been, at least have shown some Ohio State interest. Sammy Brown's all the way up to number 12. Um, yeah. Did you see him hit that 450? <laughs> Pound power clean or something crazy like that. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we're still in on KJ Bolden, but Dylan Stewart uh, out of DC is someone that's he's number ten in the country. Sammy Brown, I already mentioned. Um, that's two. I mean, and those are both five stars, so that's not going to lower it. Um, I think yeah. we have a we have we are we are still doing some uh, big game hunting. Like I have, I keep mentioning this name, and I have absolutely no proof that Ohio State is even recruiting this kid. But you have Brandon Baker, the offensive tackle from uh, Modern Day. I don't know why Ohio State wouldn't be recruiting him. He's six five, two eighty five, and he goes to a school that they yeah he's got a visit well for June 9th. So they're definitely Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. See, that's one of those things with I like to put on my amateur recruiting hat, and I think it might just be like the sociologist in me or something. I've been looking at trends, never heard the kid's name, no insiders, no nothing. I don't follow recruiting. I'm just like, hmm, offensive tackle, big, modern day. Ohio State's going to recruit him. <laughs> yeah, they're so. going to try for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I well, the bag's still out. I mean, Ohio State's only got thirteen recruits. I, I usually I keep saying it's going to be a bigger class, but then they always end up with like twenty five, twenty or twenty three, twenty four guys instead of twenty seven, twenty eight. Um, that's how Ohio State was able to be so aggressive in the transfer portal this year, though. So like, there's going to be a roster management balance. Um, it's funny I was reading today. The most uh, valuable player in the transfer portal right now is uh, freshman transferring or redshirt freshman transferring because they cannot transfer again until they graduate. And that means you have them in control longer than you have a high school recruit. 
Interesting. I mean, they can transfer. They can just they just have to sit sit out a year. Which I guess many of them probably aren't going to want to do that. I guess which is yeah. the point. <laughs> That's why you got to get it right the second time. Um, but yeah, last one: Ohio State versus Michigan. Then I get a roast Notre Dame per usual for being suckers. Um, Aaron Nolan outperforms Jaden Davis at the Atlanta Elite Eleven camp last weekend. Unfortunately, yeah, you're probably pretty old on this story, so we'll keep this one quick. Um, I think two things here. Um, People suck at recruiting things they're not used to seeing, like rating them. Um, Aaron Nolan is left-handed. I think he'd be a five-star recruit if he was right-handed. Um, not many players lead their teams to 6A state titles or the highest division state titles in states like Georgia as a junior without having that level of talent. Um, he's a much better athlete than people give him credit for. And Ike. I, I watched some of the clips from this weekend. His arm is much more explosive than I think he gets credit for. I think a big part of it is he's left-handed, so it just looks different. Um, I think he is – he proved it on the field. He's more talented than Jaden Davis, who is a five-star. All I got to say is there are a lot of things that Ryan Day might not have my trust in quarterback evaluation is not one of them. So when Ohio State recruits or interests go to these camps and outperform players or when they win MVP at the Elite 11 camp, even though that they're a four-star or something like that, I'm never surprised. It's always great to talk about. It. It's always great to gloat a little bit to, you know, to celebrate the, the one of the things that is great in our program that we will probably always have a great quarterback when Ryan Day's there. But like, Am I surprised? No. Also, I <laughs> way before we were even ready to put on the recruiting half, I watched his film and I audibly gasped. And I don't ever do that because, like, tape is tape. Good players are good players. You see it all the time. If someone is 6'5", 270, yeah, you're gonna, there's going to be a bunch of tape of them running over a, a 5'11 offensive tackle or something like that. Like, it's impressive, but it, it's not like – that impressive because you see it but I don't know what it was about his tape man I, I don't know like I'm, I'm watching Le- uh, Lincoln Keenholes uh, hit home runs and dunk and, and throw crazy things I watched Devin Brown do a whole bunch of crazy stuff CJ Stroud and this is not to say that Nolan is better than any of them that's not the point that I'm getting at I'm just saying that his high school tape was like it made me gasp out loud, audibly. That's how good it was, in my opinion. So, I can't say yeah. I'm surprised. Another, another Ryan Day, uh, another Ryan Day classic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, one of my favorite things to do when quarterbacks get offers or commits just go clip up a few pieces of film and like see, like compare it to the past recruits, compare it to the current quarterbacks at Ohio State. Um, and I really don't have a natural comparison to Nolan. Um, He's not as athletic as Brown. I don't think he has the same arm strength as Brown or McCord. Um, Lincoln Keenels played in South Dakota, so he he had some of those. He played at one of the best schools in the state, so he was on the powerhouse. So sometimes that's harder to evaluate as well. But the way he moved in the pocket, the way his um, – I'd say the closest was C.J. Stroud. I'd say that would be the closest film in comparison accurate great fundamentals ball's always on time ball uses his capability when he needs to and is always just the ball is on a string when he throws it 
Yeah, and it's like he's a he's a true pocket passer, and I don't mean pocket passer as in like the Madden stereotype pocket passer where like they legitimately can't run. I just mean he is a legitimate passer from the pocket already this early in his career, this young. That is not something that he has to learn. It's just something he'll get better at with time, more experience, more playing at a higher level. But he can operate from the pocket. Just sit yeah, back there, and drop back, read the field, manipulate the safeties, put the ball where it needs to be on time, accurate, to the right person, the right place, the right time. Uh, and then, again, to the non-Madden stereotype, he does have the escapability and things like that that you want. 100%. And that that's the other point I had on this. In a camp setting, like Jaden Davis relies a little bit more on his athleticism on the film, on, in game. Um, and I think that is a big separator. Like, you go to a camp, there's no scrambling, there's no throwing on the run. Like, they'll have you roll out and throw a couple passes. But when you're in competitive games in camp setting, the seven-on-sevens, the one-on-one drills, it's about ball placement, ball accuracy, and timing. That stuff gets exposed in those settings. And when you're throwing side-by-side, that tells me two things about Nolan. The dude's a competitor. He knew the stakes. He mentioned that a little bit. In, in some of his interviews after it and that is the type of quarterback I, we talk about it all the time you want a psychopath coming into Ohio State you don't want a guy uh, who's willing to run when a kid from South Dakota gets an offer you want a guy who sees the room sees how crowded it is and still believes he could rise to the top and I think that is the personality from Nolan he didn't even have an offer and he put Ohio State in his top six and then he came he camped he got the offer week later committed that is the type of guy I want leading Ohio State. Plus, he's got a cool name. Yeah. And he has a, a day in his city. Just saw, I saw that on uh, on Twitter. He was given a day in his city. So, that, they don't give that to average people. There's no Chris Rennie day in Huntington Beach. <laughs> I can confirm that I do not have a day either. So... Um, we'll be airing on one day. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, last recruiting story. Then we've got quite a hodgepodge of topics in the second half. Um, Kingston, Villiamo, Asa, St. John Bosco recently, recently was uh, in my sights for one reason. Um, I don't know if he's... Um, he listens or not, but I'll, I'll give credit. Zona Buckeye, he's a follows recruiting, very in the know on Twitter. He tweeted out a screen grab from an interview from Kingston's recruitment, his interview, and he was talking about how Marcus Freeman was negatively recruiting Ohio State. And he wasn't saying those words, but he's like, yeah, Marcus Freeman's pitch was basically like talking about the Notre Dame degree, the value of it, like what it can do for you after school. He said Ohio State can't offer these same things. Um, I can tell you one thing that Ohio State can offer that Notre Dame cannot, and it is a chance to win a national championship, if that's important. Um, I will go on record and say the value of an Ohio State degree is pretty close to Notre Dame's. I know Notre Dame fans like to tout it, but Notre Dame really doesn't have that many programs in comparison to Ohio State. You can learn literally anything you want at Ohio State, anything. Um, So I think that has some value in itself. 
Um, and everything Marcus Freeman says, it's because he's scared of Ohio State, and that's the main point I wanted to make. Marcus Freeman has to negatively recruit his alma mater. He chose Ohio State over Notre Dame. How in the world, as a recruit, can you take that seriously? Uh, I think it's funny because, right, it's like, is Notre Dame a better school than Ohio State? Maybe. Potentially. I mean, you could argue that it is. But in that same breath, is Ohio State one of the best schools in the country and in the world? Also, yes. Like, is Michigan a better academic school than Ohio State? Yes. But by a lot? I wouldn't say so. So it's like negatively recruiting academics at Ohio State is just desperate because it's not true. Like, it's not like you're negative recruit. Like, and this is going to go to something we're going to talk about later. If you want to negative recruit academics, you negative recruit the schools in the South, because a lot of them, sorry if there's anyone from the South or went to school in the South, I don't, a lot of them don't pride themselves in academics. They don't. Like, that is not what they – they do not go there to play school. They go there to play ball. They A lot of them do not have great academic programs, great prestige and different things and stuff like that. And this is what it is. Education started in the North because the United States started in the North. It started in the Northeast. That's why most, if not all, of the Ivy schools are in the Northeast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Notre Dame is a great school. I don't have the school rankings to say that Notre Dame is always a better school than Ohio State. And I also understand that you have to, you know, talk about your school. You have to big up your school and that kind of stuff. But as someone that works in higher education and works with schools and different things like that, you can get a valuable education anywhere. And Ohio State specifically is single-handedly one of the best schools in the country. Literally, every sing- almost every single program at Ohio State is competitive because of how many people go there or want to go there from Ohio, from across the country, from across the world and so it's like it's just kind of dumb it's it's like really really desperate like if you want a negative recruit you could say which god i don't know why you could say we have al washington who's 35 and they have an 80 year old man over there like you could say you know like whatever right you like there are things i'm sure you could pick apart if you wanted to negative recruit ohio state academics though like come on like you could do better than that. Like, like just do better. <laughs> like you're not even trying hard. In the grand scheme of things, the U.S. News World Report, which is not the be all end all ranking, has Notre Dame 18 tied. Ohio State's 49th. A 31 school difference. When there's probably 10,000 higher education universities across the country, is so minuscule that it's hilarious that that is what he's resorted to. And I I just think it's hilarious that freaking Marcus Freeman's basically treating Notre Dame like Tarpon. Which, I mean, that's that's cool, I guess. You, but, I mean, when you don't have many things to separate you from other other places, like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. And we, we've kind of flipped the recruiting expert hat this time and saying what we do versus, like, what, like, our predictions are. Like, what i do if I was recruiting Kingston, like, if that's his pitch to you, I can tell you, you can still use our academic programs and have great success. And we've got James Laurinaitis and Jim Knowles here who've had much more success at any level than Al Washington. At both as a coach and as a player. So you're going to get both sides of it. You're going to learn from a legend in coaching and you're going to learn from a legend of the game in college football. I don't know, man. 
I, I don't know. Marcus Freeman was James Lord Nice's backup. Do I want to play for the starter? Or I want to play for the backup. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's interesting too. Like for me, it's just lazy. It's just like like if you're gonna negative recruit, man, do better. Like lie about a scandal or something like that. Like you know, like do something that actually matters. There's nothing on this earth that you could want to do as an Ohio State graduate that you could that as a Notre Dame graduate that you could not also do as an Ohio State graduate and you have more bites at the apple with Ohio State because it's a much bigger school so it has a much bigger alumni base so it's like like I I can't imagine anywhere in the world someone's going to look at your degree and see Ohio State and be like "Mm, you could have done better like could you have done better sure you just said it's a 31 spot difference but there's no job in the entire world that's going to look at a degree from Fisher College of business that's going to look at, at an Ohio State degree from any of their programs and be like, uh, I wish this was Notre Dame. I, I wish that this was Michigan. I, I wish that this was Harvard. Like, unless, unless they went to those schools. Like, that would be the only way. But they're more, like, yeah. But you have less luck with that because Ohio State has more alumni. Like, it's just lazy. It's boring. It's uncreative. It's and I just want better. Like, just like if you're gonna recruit negatively, like lie or something. Like you're already, you're already in the dumps. That dude's greatest negative recruiter on the planet. He said Urban. He he guessed it, but he didn't. He say Urban Meyer is not gonna be there for long. He's not gonna be there your entire thing. And everyone's like, wow, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then like two years later, Urban was gone. <laughs> it was like, what did Dabo know? <laughs> like, yeah, right. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you're like, you think Nick Saban's swimming in the clean water all the time? Not a chance. You don't win that many five star recruits that way. You flash the ring. You tell them what it's about. You point to the scoreboard between Ohio State and Notre Dame last year. Um, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think, like, <laughs> this is going to oh, sound really stupid. You know, I know Marcus Freeman got the Notre Dame job, but he's like, yeah, we didn't even want to our defensive coordinator when we picked Kerry Combs. Think about that. Yeah, I just like I know this is going to sound stupid as the fact that they are in college to go to college and I work for colleges. It's literally what my what three all all three of my degrees are for me to work at colleges. But like if your recruiting pitch is academics, you've already lost. I am sorry. Like, like this is not D3 football. Like, the academic – I understand the academics should matter. I want – I love when players go to the NFL and they come back and get their degree. Jalen Hurts came back and got a master's. Justin Fields finished up his degree because the degree matters. I, I want them all to get a degree. They are, are, they are there to play ball and play school. But if the academics is your pitch – and you're not like Stanford, where like you just can't get anybody in the school. If you're not the Ivies, where like you genuinely just don't care about football, you already lost. Like that's dumb. Like like you can't say anything on the field because of the, hey hey, our academics though. Wow, I don't care. Because uh, listen, I, I've been like, I want to I want to clarify that I am not speaking negatively on anyone's religious beliefs. But if I was negative recruiting against Notre Dame, all I would ask is, are you Catholic? And if the answer is no, not even are you Christian. Christian is fine. Are you Catholic? If you are not Catholic, have you ever been to a Catholic church 
Have you ever been to mass? If the answer is no, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a non-believer, whatever it is, if the answer to are you Catholic is no, and have you been to mass is no, that's where I'm running. Because it is mandatory. And and uh, Marcus Freeman, which the last coach got rid of, he brought back mass before games. So not only do you have to do religious studies, you have to go to mass on campus and they have mass before every home game. Do you want to deal with that? Yes or no? And this is not infringing on anyone's religious freedom, but like, there, like, if you're gonna recruit negatively, you gonna recruit negatively. You, hey, and Columbus, we got we got churches everywhere. We got Baptist churches, we got uh, Pentecostal churches, we got you Church of Christ, Seven Day Adventist, my fraternity house. Like, there is Catholic churches here. Don't you walk in? You can go to mass. It's cool. Part yeah. of the experience, there's church groups. But like you get to choose. The Mormons were here, probably still some Mormons here. There's even a couple cults here, if that's what you're into. Like I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just saying if you're gonna recruit negatively, you can do much better than academics. Yeah, 100%. And last, I, I, last, last thing on Marcus Freeman, because I, I, I love giving this guy airtime, but I love to give him negative airtime. Um, I'm kind of blanking on it already, but if I was recruiting against Marcus Freeman, um, think about this. He keeps talking about this big degree. Like, if you play at Notre Dame, you get to go on TV, you can have businesses and stuff. Um, there are, like, the Bourne brothers have the biggest waste management business in Columbus now. Like, all because Zach Bourne had a sack against Michigan. I mean, I'm sure he's done some stuff as well, that, like, in that world to get there. Oh, you want to get in TV? Who is the premier voice of college football for the last 20 years? Where did he go to school? Who was he a captain for? Kirk Herbstreit, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And where did he make sure his sons went to school even though they didn't have his level of talent? That's all. That's always where you can tell if someone actually loved their undergrad institution and if they actually enjoy the experience and still have a connection. If their kid is not good enough to get a scholarship, do they work the relationships to get them a walk-on spot? And Herb Street has like two sons on the team. Yeah, so it, it, then the last point is like you look at all the, all the pregame shows – Urban Meyer's on one. Um, that's an Ohio State coach, but still a connection to Ohio State. You look in all the booths, like Josh Perry's the voice of the Big Ten right now. Um, James Laurinaitis was prior to leaving. Like Bobby Carpenter's all over ESPN during the college football season. Um, AJ Hawk is on the Pat McAfee show, which just got picked up by ESPN. Yeah, so you are you have so many opportunities. And that's the funniest thing about that. It's like Notre Dame thinks they're as big a brand as Ohio State. They're not. They don't exist in the same realm of brand as Ohio State. And I will go to the grave with that. Newt Rockney's been dead for a long time. Lou Holtz has been out for a while. Notre Dame hasn't had any success on the national level in my lifetime since I was born in 1996. You want to see their record against the FBS in the BCS era in the college football playoff era? It's not good. And that's how people my age see Notre Dame. It's an old man's institution. You can try to make it young. You can try to make it cool. Your best player was a big white tight end last year. All I got to say, it's old. It's old. Yeah. The last thing I have to say, and this has nothing to do with Notre Dame. This has to do with the listeners. You all love to not actually listen to what I – 
anyone says. So do not comment. When you comment, because please leave a comment and review for the podcast, do not comment that Jordan said being Catholic was bad. That is not anywhere close to what I said. All I said is if you are not Catholic, going to a Catholic school is not always fun. Just like if you are not Mormon, you probably don't want to go to BYU where you can get kicked off campus for having premarital sex, which happens at every college in the world, including BYU. And they literally, and they will do it because a couple years ago, they kicked their best player off the football or basketball team for having premarital sex. So, like, I'm just, if that is not your religious affiliation and you do not believe in the beliefs and go to the church and the ceremonies and the things of that said school, it's not always fun for you. So, do not say Jordan said being Catholics was bad. I did not say that. But also yeah. do leave a five-star review for us. If you yeah, like the show. We're pro all religions, uh, outside like crusades and all that stuff. Call back right there. Um, <laughs> that was that was my favorite review ever. Like, radio Catholics. It's like we talked about history, man. Um, but yeah, we're gonna go to a quick break. Um, Notre Dame still sucks. I hope you guys give us a five star review for you know being the biggest Notre Dame haters on the planet with good reasons. And Hartman's got a new arm, and his receivers are worse this year. So going to be a lot of fun. We've got my, our If I Was a Jar Rapid Fire, Big Ten Quarterback Rankings. It's going to be the longest one. And some final thoughts. Then we'll get through it. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back in, everybody. This is Joe's Christopher Ruddy. Um, we need to take a minute to cool down. You know, you guys know I get riled up when I talk about Notre Dame. Um, you know, we made the joke last week on last show with Tommy Eichenberg. Um, if he has one fan, it's it's me. If he has no fans left, I'm no longer here. If Notre Dame has one hater, it's me. They have zero haters. I'm no longer here. So if I can wiggle them into the show with some hate I'm gonna do it and if you're a Notre Dame fan you don't like it I don't care um but yeah let's get into it let's get into the if I was in charge ours this week um I built a pyramid of success um some guy emailed me with some grammatical corrections to that if you dedicate your life to studying Thomas Jefferson um that is not someone I'm gonna take any advice from grammatical or not um, that's the only note on that. Um, but getting into my period of ex- success, um, I, I just don't get why college football coaches make it so hard. Um, I, I think if I was in charge, Ohio State would never lose again. Um, looking at the pyramid right now, trademark pending. Get better players a point. Score more points than the opponents. Can't win games 0-0. Zero to zero. Don't lose to bad teams. Sorry, Meyer, you'd be arguably the greatest coach of all time if you didn't have the Purdue, the Iowa, the Michigan State albatrosses on your list. 
Um, do not give up a lot of points, if any at all, and then have the most money. That's a new one. That's why it's at the bottom. It's a foundation. If you have more money than people, you tend to be able to do more things as a football program. How would I do on my pyramid of success, Jordan? Do you think I'd ever lose a game again? Uh, I mean, listen, do you care about the margins? Yes or no? And seeing that she wrote a whole uh, article about it, I, I'm, I'm here to say you're not going to lose a game. Uh, not often. Not often. Even Nick Saban loses a game here or there. But uh, Dynasty, I was thinking four championships in five years. The one you lose is because is the team didn't want it bad enough. You're going to go to the media. You're going to talk trash about them. You're going you know, you're gonna to pull a Deion Sanders, reset the roster, and win the next one. So, yeah, all good. You know, the thing is um, the greatest coach of all time in sports, arguably, is John Wooden. He built a pyramid. So I don't know why your coaches don't use the pyramid. It's the most powerful structure on the planet. Um, you can't knock it over. They've been there forever. Um, so I, I just think if you have a pyramid, you're going to win national championships. And that's what it's all about. And mine's not as in-depth as John Wooden's because I didn't need it to be. It's college football. It's simple. Get the best players, get the best coaches, and make sure they have the money to do the job. Win championships. See? Right now, and there's a lot of jokes intertwined. Like, Ryan Day wasn't having the best defenses, so they gave up a lot of points a lot of the time. They lost to Alabama because they gave up a lot of points. You give up zero points, that's great. You need great players to do it. It's really simple. It's harder than it looks for some people. Me, it wouldn't have been that way. Um, but I just loved that joke. It was one of my favorite things. I was inspired. Um, the pyramid of success is not going to die. Week in and week out, I'm going to rank the team's performance based on the pyramid of success um, and how Ryan Day did against it. As I said in the article, if you guys want to go check it out on Land Grant Holy Land's website, if I was in charge, Ohio State would never lose again. And every single coach should have that pyramid in their office. I'm with it. I think we should print it, make some T-shirts, some books, some posters, uh, send it, send it to all of the programs. Um, I, I imagine that someone's like secretary or like recruiting girl or like janitor, like someone who like opens the mail because we know the head coach doesn't because the head coach is fragile. Someone's going to see the poster and like think it's like one of the official posters that they already have on the wall because like every college building everywhere just has a bunch of like motivational posters on the wall and stuff and they're just going to hang it up because they're going to be like oh the coach must have bought this so just this just ship it make it look official uh you know put like vista print on it or something and like you know print off a label that says vista print make it seem like it came from vista print but yeah you, you can you can uh, integrate this into a lot of locker rooms just by sending it to the football office Hundred percent. And honestly, the biggest one for me: get better players, don't lose to bad teams. If you do those two things, you're going to win a national championship in your time. And I think my favorite joke I made was like, "Yeah, well, Michigan and Alabama the last two years in the eyes of Ohio State fans are bad teams. We should have beat them." I wouldn't have lost those games. I can't wait till the game, the video game comes out, so I can prove that. Man, I am going to like. I literally, I said in our group chat, I was like, in the Slack, I was like, I might have to put uh, the wife up in a hotel 
when the NCAA game comes out. I yeah, don't want to talk to nobody. I might take off work. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I've been waiting for this game since 2014. And I played the game up until like 2017. And if I would have known, if I would have known what I know now, I would still have my PS3 and that's the only game that I would have. Because yeah. that game is like $500 now. You can't buy an NCAA 14 anymore. The pandemic really shut the price up. Um, and they can't resell it in the marketplace because, well, um, they'd have to pay people. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, let's get into your, if you were in charge of the Big Ten the first 90 days. So I took the Ohio State program. You took the whole conference. So um, I actually, I actually have an Ohio State program one that I'm going to preview here. I haven't, I haven't finished writing it yet. So I have, uh, I'm the head coach. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I think, I think uh, if I had a sixth step, it would be to implement your period, but um, your pyramid. Um, but yeah, this is this is my my first ninety days. I think this is simple. I don't I don't. There's maybe only one thing I think on here that people are going to disagree with, and it's okay. I've been fighting this fight for a long time. So the first thing I'm do, very easy. Fire Tim Walton. Make Perry Eliano quarterbacks coach. Now I know what you're going to say, but didn't you just say Tim Walton is about to land Aaron Scott and Bryce West? Sure, I think if we had. Perry Eliano as actual cornerbacks coach, they both would be committed already. So, and he's not a safeties coach. So, he's lost some recruits already. Perry, Jim Wallen yeah, has lost huh? Jim Wallen has lost his recruiting cycle yet. Who has Perry lost? Uh, the kid who's committed to Georgia. Who's that? Um, pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up. Um, but yeah, no, I'll be honest. The coaches clinic. I became more Tim Walton, so I, I like this. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a this fan divide we're gonna create. I think that's that's gonna be fun for the show. Yeah, here's the thing. I think Tim Walton's probably a great coach. I think Tim Walton had to deal with a lot of injuries that were not his fault last year. But I still don't care. Because Tim Walton does not have Sauce Gardner as a number one pick. And Tim Walton didn't huh? have his players falling down in clutch situations. Yeah, he did. One of the safeties fell. <laughs> I mean, one of the corners fell. Lathan Ransom's not a corner. No, I'm not talking about Lathan Ransom. I'm talking about uh, some of the corners on some of the, like, corner, corners were given up to. Cam is a guy against Michigan. Oh, uh, Cam Brown, yeah, too. He didn't tackle. Yeah, corners yeah. aren't supposed to tackle. If your corner's tackling, that means something went wrong. Uh, I'm going to disagree with that one. I like my corners who can tackle. Um, Definitely a joke. Yeah. So here's the thing. Perry Eliano, whatever you say, like, and and here's the thing. Maybe Perry Eliano is not a great safeties coach, but you know what he is? A great corners coach. So you're you're just making my point for me that Perry Eliano is not good enough at safety to be the safeties coach, but we know that he's a great corners coach and we know that he's a great recruiter. He's also younger. I'm not trying to be ageist, but he has the connections in the South. He's younger. He has a more recent first round pick. My little brother who doesn't even watch football, all he talks about is Sauce Gardner. That like you can walk into any room in the country and say, Sauce Gardner, that's me, and have a chance. So firing Tim Walton. Although I'm not doing that well. I thought everyone would agree with this, but that's number one. Number two, I know everyone's going to agree with this. 
except for one person who was in the land grant holy land chat and i don't know why he disagreed with it honestly but like whatever fire parker fleming this is not the party he disagrees with and promote Keenan Bailey to Titans coach and special teams coordinator. I personally believe he's the low man on the totem pole, so give him special teams coordinator. It's clear no one else wants this. Someone argued with me about it. I won't say argued. Argued is always like sounds like it was heated. It was not heated. Debated with me about it and said that you don't need to make the the youngest guy in the room the special teams coach. But I have no issue with that. You work your magic. Earn, earn your stripes and you coach tight ends you have like yeah, six people in your room Keaton Bailey before he got the tight ends coaching job uh, he was coaching he was helping with defense he was helping with offense he was yeah. kind of the coach he was the general assistant he was basically um, I can't also, remember you don't need any any sort of coaching talent to coach special teams and again you have the smallest room you have like six guys in there you can, yeah, he can add the special teams load. He, that is definitely the position. And a lot of tight ends are on every special team. Like, they are a group that's going to be there anyways. So, it's not like you need to, oh, man, like, they're going to be so important to the offensive game plan. Like, they are going to be very important, but they're also already going to be playing on punt team. Like, Kate Stover is one of the personal protectors, right? Like, he is a – and if he's not that, he's probably going to be in there. Maybe not this year, but that's how tight ends get on the field first is through special teams. Um, they're going to be on kickoff return. They're going to be on kickoff coverage if they have that in them. Like, they are big bodies that can be used in different ways that are athletic. So, yeah, no, I think if you're going to pick a position coach to do it, it's definitely tight end. Yeah, easily, easily. So that's that's two of them. Um, it's not in my first 90 days, but obviously I am have to hiring two coaches. I'm just going to hire James Laurinaitis as a full-time linebackers coach. As a linebackers guy, I think you need a full-time coach. And I think that's going to take a little bit of pressure off Jim Knowles. And then the safeties coach will find someone. I was pro Matt Guerrera, but I'm pretty sure he's like Indiana's defensive coordinator right now. So that's not going to happen. So we can find a safeties coach down the line. This is the one people are going to disagree with. I am not making Larry Johnson retire, but I am telling him to set a date so that we know. If it is it a year? Is it three years? You can't do this. Live and, 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 and here's the thing: I'm doing this for us and for him because I don't even want to say this. So I'm just going to be as vague as possible because I I believe you can speak things into existence, and I do not want to speak any negativity. He's getting older. Anything with his health could happen in the middle of a season, a game, anything like that. That is not something a position that you want to be in. And I'm sorry. I felt I, I thought I thought Lee Corso died on set a couple times last year. They need to let Lee Corso retire. So spend time with your wife, your kids, your grandkids. Do some things like that. It doesn't have to be a year. It doesn't have to be two years. Shoot, it could be five years. Whatever it is, we need to know so that we can set a transition plan that we can start talking to recruits. Because the worst thing possible, in my opinion, especially with the transfer portal, is for him to recruit a full class 
class and then something happened and he steps away or you lie to recruits you know he's gonna you know that he's going to leave and you wait until the transfer portal closes and uh until spring ball starts and he steps away in like january like that would just be the worst thing possible i i'm, I'm not forcing him to retire i'm not telling him after this year you gotta go but there needs to be some open communication we need a timetable because there's already going to be a class where there's a hit because he's going to retire and it's going to be a hit because they don't know who the new guy is. But he has some good guys out here in the country, different things like that. You need some time to talk to them and gain some interest. I need a date. I need a date. A year, two years, three years, whatever it is, I need. we need to start having this conversation. 100%. I actually agree with that one. I agree. You don't need to force him to retire. Um, there is definitely a point in time he's going to retire at some point. And if you don't have a definitive succession plan, if you're Ryan Day and you have to replace a legend, like it, there are plenty, like coaching Ohio State's defensive line is a premier job in college football. Because a lot of coaches love to use the past reputation. Like, oh, yeah, Chase Young played here. Oh, yeah, the Boses played here. Even if they didn't recruit him, it's still part of the deal, right? Like, I know Orlando Pace is still used to recruiting offensive linemen, and he played in the 90s. Like, that's a real thing coaches do. There's a legacy to the position room, and that is something you can recruit. Like, do you want to come be part of this legacy that hasn't been built? Like, yeah, that coach is cool, but, like, there's a tradition at Ohio State, and that is something that is recruited heavily. So I agree, and you need a succession plan because there are talented people in the – world that have connections to Ohio State that could come in and be legitimate elite coaches with the resources Ohio State has. So um, that is, I think that's a good one. Yeah, I just think I think at a certain point you get to a place where it starts to hurt you, and it start. I mean, it, teams are already majorly negatively recruiting against us about it, and he's fighting through it. Like I, I have my issues with him, but I'm not trying to you know discount what he has done or his success, which is why I'm letting him choose. I'm, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm walking in and being like, hey, this is your last season. But I, I just think it. I think it needs to be known internally, and it needs to be talked about. A succession plan needs to be in place because a lot of times some of the, especially star recruits, some of the star recruits know this before other people. And honestly, I would want them to be like, hey, so like, this is what we're thinking. He's only going to be here for two years of your time, but we got connections with this guy and this guy and this guy. You're going to be in good hands. I just don't, I don't want to, I don't want to you no know, put that out there. No surprises and then have half the D-line room transfer and nobody wants to sign here for a year or two until you get a good defensive line coach that they that they know who it is. Next, I'm pulling a Dion. Not to Dion's level, but I'm pulling a Dion. I'm resetting the roster. I'm sorry. We've talked about it. There's a lot of people in Ohio State's roster right now who shouldn't be on there. I'm clearing out like I'm clearing out like nine, maybe maybe eight, somewhere between eight and ten of the offensive line room off top. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. I'm bringing in a whole new offensive line. Not the starters, of course, with the backups. Bringing in a whole bunch of backups. They're, yeah, they're, they're some of the older players. Like, hey, it's time to go. I'm doing a roster reset. When, 
That's what I'd be saying. I'd be saying you don't get to use your code here. Yeah, not not here. And and that's the thing. When a new coach comes, you can remove players from your team. You have to honor their academic scholarship if they don't find another place to play football. But Ohio State has the money for it. I'm cleaning house. There's some players that just don't deserve to be on this roster. I'm I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Blame Al Davis. Bill Davis, Al Washington, mix them together. Blame Al Davis, both of them together. Um, blame all. Blame Jeff Halfley for leaving early. Um, blame he who will not be named. Like I, I'm, gotta go. There's some players that gotta go. I'm sorry, you can't be here no more. Uh, you're taking up a spot for someone else that's 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 better than you. Even if they're not gonna see a whole lot, there are better development chips. I'm I'm contacting. I'm there's a lot of places that I'm going to see about uh, players when I when I get this job. And the last one, I'm adjusting the recruiting and roster management philosophies. Um, the thing that I'm recruiting, changing about the recruiting philosophy is more of a focus on defense. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not going to hurt us if we have one less five-star wide receiver and instead we get a five-star safety. I'm sorry. I, I know nobody wants to hear that. I love the 17 million five-star wide receivers on the roster too, but I don't like the fact that we haven't had a five-star corner since 2017. I'm, there are three five-star receivers who may never play here, players that are transferring. you telling me you wouldn't have wanted that equivalent at a corner and we'd be in a much better position. If we got the Caleb Brown of corner, whatever position he was in, we got that in corner, we might be better off. So not that I'm de-emphasizing it. I'm just re-emphasizing the defense and I'm, I'm retooling some of the defensive staff or whatever you have to do to make that happen. Getting a new safety coach, which I already talked about, making Jim Gordon as a full-time coach, which is going to give him increased recruiting responsibilities. That's number one. And the roster management philosophy, I I just think that I think they're a little bit too nice sometimes. And I think that there's an honest conversation you can have with players and, and, and an honesty of like, hey, we can develop you. It's going to take some time or we can't develop you. You might need to go somewhere else. That kind of goes into my last point of resetting the roster, um, reorganizing some of the, the position loads and, and where some of the star players are. Just, just some little things. It's all margin things once you get to recruiting and roster management, but like another, I'm not recruit like I'm not always going to do so many small classes like just little little things like that on the margin. I think is going to make us better. I like the I like the transfer philosophy that they've used recently, but I don't think they did it early enough. Me personally. The December transfer window is gold, especially because that does not count against your cap. It doesn't count against your 82. You could have 150 people, which you wouldn't, but you could have 150 people in the spring. I'm bringing in every transfer in the spring. Everybody. It don't matter the position. don't matter who's here, who's not. Because if they're not good or if they're better than someone else, even if they take the seventh, even if they take the spot of the 11th offensive lineman. We just got better. Nobody knows the name of the 11th offensive lineman, but we just got better because our 11th offensive lineman is better. I'm bringing them in. I'm letting them try out. And if it doesn't work, then they transfer. And if they're better than someone, then that person transfers. Obviously, you can't do that all the time. Like, I'm not trying to be like Michigan State. I believe that you live and die by high school recruiting. I'm just going to be more open to it and more open to the competition, especially because you have that free transfer and the spring is not counting into 82 i don't know you add that with the pyramid i don't think we lose i think we won a national championship immediately 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm sure we can build the best roster in the world. Even in my article, I said we don't need transfers because we're getting a million five stars. So um, once we reset that roster with all my five stars and your transfer portal ideology here, I, I don't think Ohio State loses the football game again. So what's all about? Yeah, um, and, and the the transfer portal thing is is interesting because I there has not been a single team except one season of Michigan State who has had success heavily using the transfer portal, including Alabama. But using but when Alabama did use it well, it was to supplement. I'm thinking Jamison Williams, like that's what I'm going for, just at a higher clip than what Ohio State has gone for, because Ohio State has only looked at people when they had a glaring need and they haven't brought in enough uh, competition, right? I, I always use the mad numbers like because it's just easier. If you have a starting linebacker who's an 80, I might bring in a 79 and let him compete. It's not guaranteed, but I'm not waiting until my starting linebacker is a 65 and I need to bring in an 80. I'm going to bring in some competition here and there, just like you did with Davidson Igbenosin. That's why I said I like how they're going now. Davidson Igbenosin may not even start because he's at a similar level to the guys that we have, but they've all gotten better. And so if Davidson Igbenosin comes here and doesn't start, that means he made everyone so much better that now we have two guys over a former all-freshman SEC, and that all-freshman SEC is our third corner, we are significantly better in the corner room. Like, that, they, like, they're kind of getting there. They just need to do it a little bit more. That, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that a little bit more, because I don't believe Ryan Day is going to do that two years in a row. I think he was yeah. desperate, and when he's desperate, he makes the right moves, but then he goes back to his comfort zone. But my comfort zone, competition. Bring him in. Not everybody, but bring him in. Bring him in. Get that on the shirt. Um, what else we got? Um, ooh, all right, let's get to the quarterbacks. Um, we'll pull up the Big Ten quarterbacks. Uh, we don't need to spend time on a lot of them. I think there's definitely some schools where we might have a little bit of debate, but real, really, there's not. There's not a lot to talk about, like because you got schools. Same as last year, right? You got some schools that are better this year. Um, let's let's get into it. We'll just go in alphabetical order. All right. So we got Illinois here. That's the first school. I. That's one thing I love about the Big Ten too is alphabetically the the schools start in the eyes. You're already way late in the alphabet with that being your starting point. They've got Luke Altmyer, Ole Miss transfer, Donovan Leary, Cal Swanson. Um, not a lot of high recruiting rankings. Uh, Luke Altmaier lost out to Jackson Dart. Um, the quarterback's job at Illinois is not going to be to, you know, it's not going to be as huge of a deal as it is at some other schools. They're going to hand the ball off a lot. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to rely heavily on the run game and the offensive line. They're just going to need timely throws. Um, I, I, I don't think they're in a bad situation. I just don't necessarily think it's good. So I'm just going to say... Uh, this is a we'll, we'll need to see it because um, they can be really bad at quarterback if they don't hit on any other three guys. Yeah, I agree. It's a need to see. I think I'm going to be a need to see on a lot of these guys because uh, the Big Ten has two returning starters. They have seven transfers and almost all of the schools. I mean, so I mean, two returning starters. That means ten schools are. 
12, if I could do math, are going to have new starting quarterbacks. Some of the starting quarterbacks have experience at other places. Some of them have no experience. So I think it's going to be a, a lot of need to see. But like you said, Illinois, I feel a little bit better than other places because I can't think of his name right now, but they do have one good wide receiver that I like. It's not Chase Brown, but their backup running back last year and two years ago was really good. He was injured last year, so he didn't play a whole lot. But last, the year before, he was really good. So they they have some things. They still have a little bit of an offensive line. I, I, I think, you know, they tried to do like the power spread kind of thing where they were still, a, a, they were like five yards in a cloud of dust instead of three yards. They, they ran outside a little bit more. They threw a little bit more than you expect for that kind of situation. But they were still obviously very heavily focused on the power run. And so I, I very much need to see here. Luke Altmaier hasn't done anything. He hasn't played much. He hasn't started, but he has a little bit of a name to him. He has a little bit of a pedigree four-star quarterback. We'll see. Yeah, this definitely will see. Um, but we honestly don't even know if they're going to be a good team, which would, in fact, mean they probably didn't have a good quarterback. Um, next on the list, we've got Indiana. Taven Jackson, a projected QB one here, uh, will be quarterback one. Uh it's really cool. He's Trace Jackson Davis's brother. Um, that was a fun development of that story. He's they're both in Indiana. They're both gonna be big names. Um, he's a fun quarterback. I, I think he like as a recruit, he's very electric, very athletic, pretty strong arm. You know, just kind of got decided to transfer after Nico. I am a Yava decided to go to Tennessee. So I, I, I think they'll have a good quarterback. I don't think Indiana's going to be very good, but I think they'll have a good quarterback if he can stay healthy. I'm saying a bad situation. I don't think there's anything going on at Indiana that's good. And Indiana had a good quarterback. They have a quarterback. They had a quarterback who's currently, maybe ambitiously, but currently projected by Dan Brugler to be a first-round pick in next year's draft. Do you know when he wasn't a good quarterback? When he played for Indiana. Do you know when he was a good quarterback? As soon as he went to Washington. So whether this kid is talented. Going to board, Indiana. Yeah, ish. Kind of. He was as good as he could be with absolutely no help and offensive line yeah. that let him get hit all the time so he always got injured yeah. and missed a couple of games it's crazy how you don't get injured when you don't take a lot of sacks because you have a decent offensive line yeah I will say I agree it's a bad situation because Kalen DeBoer is not there and Tom Allen is not a good offense he's a defense coach so uh, but I like Taven Jackson I mean that's fine, but, but yes. you're gonna Neither. you're not gonna like seeing him in hell. So like, still, and for me, it's a bad situation. Yeah, I could I could agree with that. I could agree with bad situation in general. Like the quarterback, yeah. don't like the uniform. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. And you can like you're him, but he also good. hasn't done anything in his life. So it's like you're not gonna be very good next year. They're not ever gonna um, be good until they fire the coach. Iowa, the Hawkeyes, they went out. They had a quarterback opening. Spencer Petras had career-ending shoulder surgery. Um, he's still going to be on the roster. He's going to help out the starter. Cade McNamara. 
the most boring name Iowa could have brought in to fit the most boring program that's looking for offensive explosiveness. <laughs> when Michigan was beating Ohio State with Cade McNamara, it was not because Cade McNamara. Will he turn the ball over like Petrus? Probably not. Will he create explosive plays? No. No. This was not the positive that Iowa fans thought it was. Iowa is not going to score a lot of points next year. That's my prediction. I think this is a bad situation. So here's my problem with this. This one's hard for me because you could say, I think when you say good situation, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be great. But this could be a good situation for them solely because it's going to be better. So, like, is the, is this a good situation if this was Ohio State? Yeah, he's probably – it's probably a three. Like, or, no, it's probably three and a half. It's leaning towards the good side. It's a better situation than Spencer Peters for sure. Yeah, so but I'm going to say good situation. I just don't think good situation means they're going to have an explosive offense. It doesn't mean that the coach is gonna, not going to get fired. But it's a good situation because despite his limitations, he's the best quarterback they've had in like five years. Yeah, I will say I've never rooted against someone. I will not be rooting against somebody more than I will Brian Ferentz. So that oh. also made McNamara take. Yeah, um, so this this was awkward. I'm going to say good situation because he's the best quarterback they've had. They brought in a tight end who was made at Michigan, but still whatever. They also brought in Caleb Burton, who didn't do anything at Ohio State, but has recruiting pedigree. The situation is as good as it can get. The issue, I think, is the coach and the offensive design, not so much necessarily the quarterback, because you can win with Cade. You just can't win big with Cade. So... I'm going to say good situation. I just don't feel good about it. Yeah. Um, next on the list, we've got Maryland, Talia Tagovailoa. I feel like if you're Maryland, you feel very confident about your quarterback situation. Um, as long as Talia doesn't go down. And honestly, his backup did not do too bad in mop-up duty last, or when he had to fill in for Talia. So I really – I think they're, they have one of the better situations in the Big Ten. I just don't think they're one of the better teams in the Big Ten. So it won't mean that much. Yeah, I agree 100%. Still a good situation. I mean, there's an – and this is, this is a very, 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 very sad argument, but there's an argument to be made that – on today, 5-18-2023, Tulua Tagovailoa is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I wouldn't – I it'd be hard to disagree with it. Now, by mid middle of the season, that is now no longer going to be true. But like your options – Talia with J.J. McCarthy, I don't think anything changes with Michigan. If you replace Talia with whoever Ohio State has a quarterback right now, it's probably better. But like you said, October, maybe not. Yeah. It'll be different in October, but yeah. So, okay. Who's next? We got that team up north. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy. Uh, good situation. He's going to do what he does. I don't think – he. I, I truly don't think he's a special quarterback. I really don't. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, but he threw those touchdowns against Ohio State. One, the defensive back fell. One, Cam Brown missed a tackle in space when they shouldn't have ran cover zero to begin with. I feel like the two biggest plays Ohio State gave up this season – were when Jim Knowles called an aggressive coverage when he didn't have to. But 
that's neither here nor there. I think it's a good situation. I think Jack Tuttle's a good backup. Um, I think they have experience. You can't really argue. As much as you want to argue, I, I, Ohio State fans want to argue that he's not good. It's a good situation to have a quarterback. Multi-year starter with a backup who started games. Like, you can't have much of a better situation. Yeah, I mean, again, good situation does not mean I think the quarterback is good, but for them it's a good situation, especially in comparison to the rest of the conference. You also could make the argument, which most people would make, and I honestly would maybe lean towards this, even though I don't like him at all, that J.J. is actually the best quarterback in the Big Ten, and J.J. JJ has a chance to end the season as the best quarterback in the Big Ten, which means we would go through 12 weeks of mid Miserable game. Just, just if JJ is the best quarterback in the Big Ten, we're we're screwed. Yeah. Uh, but you could make that argument, and with who is on this list of quarterbacks, there's a very good chance that that is just that's true. That that's what's happening. So, good mm-hmm. situation. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, next, Michigan State. Noah Kim, Caden Hauser. Um, I, I'm going to go out here and say this. Peyton Thorne transferred to Auburn for a reason. It's because Noah Kim's better. He's a more talented quarterback, and he can do more things like running the football that Peyton Thorne couldn't. So even if he's not as good of a thrower downfield as Peyton Thorne was two years ago, uh, I think the Michigan State offense will be better off with him. And if Caden Hauser wins a job, it means uh, he finally lived up to his recruiting ranking. Yeah, I'm going to say needs to see because... Need to see. Yeah, that's I should have said that. It's a need to see. Hey, he should be better than Thorne, but he also should have been better than Thorne last year. So did he not win the job last year, or did Michigan State just give it to Thorne because of what he did the year before? There's a chance that that's what happened and, and that no one came. I've heard his name a couple of times. People seem to be excited for him, but with... Uh, a guy who took three years to get on the field, but not saying this negatively because he had people in front of them, but a guy that took three years to get on the field, you never know. I mean, Ohio State's in the same spot. Took three years to get on the field. You don't know if he's good or not. Well, technically two, I think. But, yeah, needs to see. We'll, we'll just yeah. do that. Needs to see. His limited playtime last year, he went 14 for 19, 73%, three touchdowns, 174 yards. Um, those snaps were against Ohio State, Minnesota, and Akron. Um, I'm pulling up Caden Hauser right now just for one quick look. Um, Hauser, one for two, two yards. Not a lot seen, but was one of the best recruits Michigan State landed at the quarterback position ever. Yeah. For sure. Best situation they've had in a while, I'd argue, though. I'm not ready to go there yet. Because, like, Thorne was great, but no one really saw that coming with Thorne. Um, but as you can say, I don't know if they're going to be any good. Very similar to to uh, Illinois on the other side. Like, I just don't know if they're going to be good. I mean, like, I, I know. know. They're I know not going to be good. Yeah. But also, like, fourth place in the Big Ten East doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad team. It just means you're worse than three projected top ten teams. I mean, they're going to be six and six, if I had to guess today. I haven't looked at their schedule, but, like, I would guess six and six. Unless they just have a super easy non-conference and they get a couple extra wins there. Or unless they see, like, Northwestern, which is going to give them a win. I'm going to go six and six until I look at the schedule. Yeah. 
Um, all right, next we got the Minnesota Gophers. Um, starting quarterback, Ethan Kelly Amakis. Um, didn't throw a lot of touchdowns, only three touchdowns last year, but had 946 yards filling in for an injured Tanner Morgan. I think the best thing about this is you're just finally off the Tanner Morgan train. Um, this is definitely a need to see. We'll wait to see. I don't think it's a bad situation because he has significant game experience, but we don't know how good he's going to be. Um, and that's a big question mark. Yeah, I think this might be the first one we disagree and disagree on. I just did trouble for me. I mean, he didn't look that good to me last year when he played. He also does not have Mo Ibrahim, and we haven't seen a Minnesota offense with this coaching staff without Mo Ibrahim or a star running back, and we're not sure that he has that. Also, like, name a wide receiver. I think the one wide receiver is no longer there, and the other one that I liked, whose name I can't forget because I'm in offseason mode, I'm pretty sure he transferred and he was supposed to be their number one wide receiver so i mean they, they're in trouble for me i they they could easily go from probably should have won the big 10 last year should have been in a better position they just can't win they just lose stupid games to like a three-win team this year not predicting that like i, I mean i did predict michigan state six and six don't hold me to the the three-win minnesota until i actually look at their schedule you can find that when we get to our conference previews and all that good stuff but i think this is in trouble i i don't I don't have much faith in this at all. Yeah, I mean, they got Chris Houghton and Bell back, so that's good. Um, but so he did come back. But this is like his 17th year. And yeah, let's be honest, if, if we're going to be honest, he was never that good. He was just their best player. Seven out of seven is what it says on the website. So this, this will be his last year. Um, yeah, but realistically, man, it, it's not – you're right. It's not a great situation for a quarterback to be in. At all. So, yeah, we'll go bad situation. I'll, I'll shift my answer. I agree with you. Um, next on the list, we've got Nebraska. I really like Jeff Sims. I do. I think I thought for being a quarterback at Georgia Tech, he did a fine job. I think Matt Rule's going to be able to do some fun stuff with him. Uh, Matt Rule, Coach P.J. Walker in the NFL, I think they have very similar skill sets. Um, Chuba Purdy, uh, very highly talented recruit. Brock Purdy's brother hasn't really lived up to expectations at Nebraska. Not the best quarterback room in the conference, but I'm significantly more confident in this than some of the other rooms we've talked about. I think I like Sims more than Altmeyer. I think I like Sims more than Jackson. Um, I honestly like Nebraska right now more than Indiana, Illinois. I don't think Nebraska is necessarily going to be a great team, but I feel good about their quarterback situation. Yeah, at the end of the season, Jeff Sims could be anywhere from the second to like the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the conference, which again, not a good thing. The conference is ass this year, like quarterback. But I, I mean, I don't, I can't say that I like him, but. I, th- I still think that's a good situation, and it's a much better situation than what they had previously. Um, so I-, I think that's that's a win for them. I Sorry, I do have to go back just half a second because I looked it up. Chris Ottman-Bell has played five seasons. This is seven. He got injured one. Five seasons. In five seasons, he only has – 19, he doesn't even have 2,000 yards. He's not even averaging 4,400 yards a season. He has 1,970 yards and 13 touchdowns in five years. And and before anyone says anything, oh, he didn't play that much. No, no, no. 
He played 12 games as a freshman, 13 games as a sophomore, seven as a junior, 11 his first senior year, and 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 then three hit last year because he got injured. So he's played since the beginning. He's been at one. He's been a starter since the beginning. So I, yeah, you break that down. That's like 100 yards per game or something like that. Yeah. So all right. Anyway, I just yeah yeah for sure so we can we can get over that jeff sims yeah somewhere between two and six which is not a good sign for the conference but nebraska i think nebraska is going to make a bowl game that's what i'll say i'm not going to go anything further than that but they're going to make a bowl game whether that's six and six or eight and four i can't tell you right now but they'll make a bowl game I'm pulling up Jeff Sims' stats because I felt like he did a good job last year. And playing for Georgia Tech after you lose well, arguably your best player um, to Alabama, he, he was left he was left hung out to dry. Uh, he's a true dual threat quarterback, though, so that's something to think about. 1,800 yards passing, 13 touchdowns, 492 rush yards, six touchdowns. Or no, that was 288 rush yards, one touchdown, and he was banged up. But um, in seven games, 1,100 yards, 1,800 yards, you times that by two, 3,600 yards total. Not a bad quarterback. And of all the teams where there is a better roster than Georgia Tech, it's Nebraska. They're a better roster than Georgia Tech. And that's saying something. Um, yeah. I, I, I think he's mid, but, like, the whole conference is mid. So he, if he's yeah. less mid than other people, Nebraska yeah, has I a mean, chance. Think about who we're about to talk about next. Ben Bryant and Brendan Sullivan at Northwestern. This is a bad situation. Yeah, that they're in trouble. <laughs> I feel bad. Like Pat Fitzgerald should have taken that Bears job when he was doing good. Yeah. Now nah, nobody ah. wants him, including maybe some of Northwestern's fans. So yeah. Um. I mean, he'll get fired. If he gets fired, he's going to find a job, and he'll probably do good if he gets, like, a a job better than Northwestern, which is not – for a football coach, not hard to find. I don't think it's a D.C. job, though. I think he ends up in the NFL as, like, somebody's linebacker's coach. That's a little rehabilitation. Or a Power 5 head coach. I think there's a bunch of Power 5 teams that would take a shot on him. Because there's a lot of Power 5 – Personally, that probably aren't as much better, but like if you're if like say I don't know I'm thinking of like an ACC team like if you're in need of a coach who's one with very few resources and a lot of stingent rules you probably you probably aren't going to do much worse than Fitzgerald. There's nothing. There's nothing in his last four years that tells me he should be hired immediately as a co- head coach again. Yeah, but that's – I mean, I don't think the world – I don't think college football would see him that way. Yeah, I mean, he still has a job, so they clearly don't. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he's uh, – no. I, yeah, he, bad – Northwestern, bad situation, uh, not getting any better. Like, if Ben Bryant comes out and lights it up, it's going to be not because of Northwestern. It's going to be because divine intervention. It's it literally what uh, what is that what is that movie Angels in the Outfield where the Angels are like picking up yeah. players and yeah it's gonna be that because he doesn't have an offensive line he doesn't have any wide receivers he doesn't have a good coach he doesn't have anything he's not good so it's just it's rough there yeah all right we've got Ohio State Kyle McCord Devin Brown you've heard us talk about this 
40 times. Go listen to any of our spring shows. We talked about it. Um, I also, like, I was one of the probably few people who watched every throw of Kyle McCords in the spring game, like, again, and then a second time again. It wasn't as bad as people thought. Like, he was 50%. 50% in the spring game is not bad, especially with how many throws he had. Um, and Devin Brown, he's an ultra-talented quarterback. He's a gamer. I, I would not be scared if he had to play a game next year. Um, he's got so much confidence that I think it would work. Um, good situation. I'm, I'm torn here. I'm torn between good situation and need to see because we do genuinely just need to see. But also Ryan Day has built up enough credibility that we should just assume they have the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So I'm yeah. going to go with good situation. I just wanted on the record that good I consider need to see. Um, yeah, well, next I think when we talk about the next situation – It'll, it'll definitely be more eye-opening um, why I think Ohio State's good, and this one's not. Penn State, Drew Waller, Bo Perbula, um, that's it. Bo Perbula thought he could beat Drew Waller out. You're not going to get the highest-rated quarterback recruit you've gotten since, like, the 80s and not start him. Um, Waller's big. I think he's he, he basically a skeet shooter. Um not accurate, does not layer throws well. There's a reason he's not an Ohio State quarterback, and it's because he doesn't layer throws. Um, will he be better than Sean Clifford? I'm not even ready to say that. I think That's it's crazy that people assume he's going to be better than Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford wasn't Sean Clifford, great, but Penn State is done. much worse without him. Yeah, last year Penn State lost two games. Um, I don't think they lose two games last year with Drew Aller at quarterback. Like Sean Clifford won them quite a few. Sean Clifford beat Auburn basically by himself with willpower. Um, who else did Who else did um, Penn State beat? Minnesota was it? Minnesota they beat on the last. Sean Clifford like an eight play, eighty yard drive in like a minute yeah. and a half. Hey, Sean Clifford, honestly, for oh. how much we made fun of him in the history of the show. I really honestly gained a lot of respect for him last year. And uh, I, I'm not I, going that far. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go that far. <laughs> the only teams he lost, everyone else, they basically beat by two touchdowns. They had a few close games. Like He was a legitimate good quarterback last year. The Big Ten was terrible last year. I'm not giving him that. I'm not. Yeah, but I mean, he is better. He wasn't Sean playing bad against State. Sean Clifford would be the third or fourth best quarterback in the conference this year. Yeah, Which I Drew think Allard's that's probably the right. same because the conference sucks. But like, I'm you have to be better than Sean Clifford before I'm going to say you're going to be better than Sean Clifford. I don't believe it. Yeah, like it's, it's, there's a lot of teams who would take Sean Clifford right now. I bet in the big yeah, team. it's not the highest bar to clear, but it's a bar to clear. I mean, okay, let's just put it this way. Bo Nix or Sean Clifford? Sean, oh, well, Bo Nix. Why? Because, uh, well, I mean, you're right. They're basically the same quarterback. Except one turns the ball over a lot less and actually wins games. Yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford won a Rose Bowl last year. I don't think I see a lot of Rose Bowl winning quarterbacks on this list. Yeah, I mean, I'm, everyone loves Bo Nix. They loved him at Auburn. They loved him at Oregon. I'm taking Sean Clifford over Bo Nix, and and that's where I think he's at. In the third game last year, Bo Nix would have won a Heisman, and Sean Clifford basically had the same stats and same results. 
Yeah. And this is and this is I want you to understand, I am not changing my opinion on Sean Clifford. I don't think he's a good quarterback, but he is better than a lot. Yeah, he has very it. clear limitations, and I still think, despite the fact that he's he has his own struggles, I still think they made the wrong decision not choosing Will Levis over Sean Clifford. But he's not—he's a scrub, but he's not a bum. If that makes sense. Yeah, he's I, like a—he's a seventy-five in Madden. You can win with him if you're good at the game, but you're not like—but like if you sim the game, you're losing. Yeah. Hundred percent, I agree with that. Um, I think if both these quarterbacks end up meeting their recruiting rankings, it's a good situation. I still, I honestly don't think Drew Aller is very good. I, I, I will, if I have to eat pro on that, I will at some point. But I just don't think he's that good. Um, and then their backup, if he can't beat out Drew Aller, well, come on. Um, next on the list, we got Purdue Hudson Card. Um, bad right I think he's better than a lot I I don't think he's the worst quarterback on this list but I think it's bad so I'm going to say need to see and and it's just because we we don't know anything about Purdue right now we know they have a head coach who's a defensive guy but he wasn't a defensive guy for long like he, he, he wasn't under a tree long enough to know what he's into right like is he going to be is he going to be attributed to the bill uh the Brett Bielema tree and three yards in a cloud of dust or was he just a defensive coordinator and has an entirely different offensive philosophy Hudson Card is not great but he does have some talent and if there's a good offensive staff and some good playmakers there he could be again because the Big Ten is terrible this year he could be the fourth or fifth best quarterback in there and, 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 and Purdue could win eight or nine games again or they could be dog crap and win three like I, I, I have no idea yeah, because yeah. I couldn't pretend to tell you what Purdue's offense is going to look like, except that I like their running back, Maccabee. Yeah, if Jeff Brom was a coach, I'd say this is a good situation because I think Hudson Card has a skill set that would thrive in that, but he's not the coach anymore. So that's why I don't even need to see it. I don't – I mean, you're right. As Purdue as a program, we probably need to wait and see, but for this quarterback situation, uh, you don't have Jeff Brom behind him. That's him. So I'm going to call it bad until I I'm going to call it bad until I need to see it. And then once I see it, then I'll revisit it. But Rutgers, Gavin Wimsat, Evan Simon. eh, This one I'm going to say needs to see. No, no, no. I'm going to say in trouble. I'm going to say in trouble. Um, How do I feel about this one? I'm going to say needs to see because he was talented. He's one of the better recruits that they've gotten. And then they hired a terrible offensive coordinator who ruined him and tried to play four quarterbacks in one game. So you really have no idea if he's good or bad. He's still young. They have a new offensive staff. Rutgers always sneakily has a couple offensive playmakers. They're just never really that good in total. The offensive line is trash, but he has running ability. It's 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 neat to see, but even at his best, he's not going to be good. If that makes sense, like, but like, could he be Tallulah? Maybe one day. I don't think this Possibly. year, buddy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's he was highly he was pretty decently recruited. Yeah, he was a, a really good haul for them, and he has talent. They just didn't have anyone like. 
they had it hurt him because divisions divisions hurts Rutgers and Maryland more than anybody. Like Maryland, we talked about it last year, could have very easily won the Big Ten West. Um, but this year, I well, if we're talking about what the program's going to do, Rutgers is always in trouble. But yeah, if we're just but, talking about the quarterback, I think he has a chance to be one of their better quarterbacks in the last like 10, 15 years. Quarterback-wise, the issue is he doesn't get to play bad teams. He has to play Ohio State. He has to play Michigan. So even if, like, if he comes out and lights him up, well, we know he's a great quarterback. But odds are it's, it's kind of an unfair judgment judging Rutgers versus that because with his roster I think Gavin Winstead's awesome I like him I think he's a fun type of quarterback I think he's got a fun set of tools that you can you can run out there if you're Greg Schiano it's just he might not suck but Rutgers is probably gonna lose five or six games and that's something like Minnesota's gonna suck I'm fully in belief that they're going to suck. Rutgers is going to suck different. Yeah, but them losing five or six games would be an improvement. They'd be a bowl team. Five losses has them at seven and five. They haven't seen that in forever. That's why I have that need to see because, like, are you you telling me right now that – Rutgers couldn't be like you have no faith that they could beat Indiana, that they could beat Michigan State, that they could beat I don't know if they played Northwestern this year, but that they could play that they could beat Northwestern, they could be um they've almost beat Maryland before. Like they could lose to Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan and beat everyone else in the East and essentially replace Maryland as that fourth team because they have recruited better. They do have some players. They've had some proof of concept a little bit. I just think that, uh, you know, I will the say coach this. hired some terrible people and then he immediately fired them. Again, I'm not ready to predict it. I still think I have Maryland in the four spot until they lose it, but it's need to see for me because Gavin Wimsett has that talent to take them from the seventh spot to the fourth spot, which in the general scheme of things is not great, but for them, their program means a bowl game. Yeah, hundred percent. They're gonna get a bowl game. I think Northwestern Temple to start the year. I think you could win those two games. Virginia Tech has not been good. I think you get a third win, three straight home games. You got to go to Michigan, probably a loss there. Wagner, that's a stat. That's where we could finally see Gavin Wimsat like really put up some stats. Um. Wisconsin's a crossover, have to travel. Then Michigan State. I think they can beat Michigan State, Indiana this year. I really do. And then that game to end the season, Maryland, that's seven games. Like, could they beat Iowa potentially? Um, they could win eight or nine games this year. I wouldn't be shocked. And I would bet on six. I'd bet on six if they get lucky seven. They have three, four guaranteed wins off top. And then there's three games with the Michigan State, the the Maryland, and maybe the Virginia Tech game where it just depends on if the quarterback's ready and how they play, how those go. But they have a range anywhere from three wins to seven wins, and that's all going to depend on the quarterback, and that's why it's neat to see for me. 100%. I'm with you on that. I think it could be fun. Um, I, I think Rutgers is going to be a fun team next year. I think I'm going to be a Rutgers fan every game except the one they play against Ohio State. Um, and then last, let's, let's, I think that's our quarterback conversation. That's the last school. Oh, no, we got Wisconsin. Uh, Tanner Mordecai. Um, I think I think he's a good quarterback. I like him. I think this is a wait and see though because we don't know what the offense is going to look like. 
it's going to be some air raid for sure. The Longo, be- I think he's good. He's good. I honestly, <laughs> I think Wisconsin is going to have a really good offense this year. I think they're going to win the West, and I think they're going to suck next year because Phil Longo is always good when you don't know his offense, and then his second, third, and fourth season, he's terrible. So getting the infusion of uh, you still have Braylon Allen, you get the infusion of Tanner Mordecai, you have an offense that people haven't seen and is going to sneak up on some people because there's not much film for how Wisconsin is going to do it. I think that they're going to be, you know, pretty decent this year, like top 50 in offense, which would be a plus for them. And then they're going to be trash after that. And he's going to get fired after three years. So <laughs> sounds about right. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think this is a good situation, honestly, with the long go. I think it's good. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm still going to say needs to see because I don't think transitioning offenses with their types of players super easy, although they did hit the transfer portal. They got the USC guy, that kind of stuff. So I still need to see it before I'm going to say it's good, but it is still better because almost anything is better than what they had last year. That's true. Yeah, that was horrible. And Graham Mertz is going to lose the job to Jack Miller, so that's just all I'm going to put out there. Um, yeah, and then final thoughts. Here we go. Um, players like this in NCAA football, I, I think it's smart to have them agree to opt in if they want to be in it. If they don't, that's fine. Put the QB number 27 or whatever you want to do, running back number 27. That's fine. But I feel like this was a solution that could have happened 10 years ago, and that's kind of what pisses me off about it. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have happened 10 years ago because the NCAA was, you know, NCAA was uh, student athletes. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in what's going on here. I can't wait to play this game. Um, I hope that they stick to what they've been saying and that it's not going to be on Madden's engine and that they're going to be doing some different things. I did hear Ari Wasserman say that they reached out to him for advice with the recruiting because he's like one of the premier recruiting writers. And I say premier because he's one of the only ones. I mean, he's a good writer, though. He does good work. He does work. I'm sure they reached out to all of them. I'm sure they reached out to Will Fine. I'm sure they reached out to all those people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so like he and he's seen it and he was impressed with some of the things that they were doing in there and different stuff like that. So, I mean, it's going to be a great game. I'm glad we're going to get some players. Um, I, I don't know if it's been confirmed that Ohio State is in the game when they were confirming things. They didn't like Ohio State was like BSing and stuff. But I am not like you can't have a game without Ohio State. But you also would have thought Ohio State would have given their licensing to be in like 2K and to be in Madden when they were doing those like mini like series where like you could, you know, you played like two or three games in high school and Ohio State was never in those because they wouldn't give up their likeness. So, yeah, I imagine they'll be in there, but you, you never sure know what the Buckeyes did. They like to do stupid stuff, so. I'm sure they'll be in there. Um, and then final, final thoughts. Southern academics, failing people. Caleb Love couldn't transfer into Michigan. Um, UNC is a very highly ranked school, too, which makes it even funnier. But, you know, we've had academic issues there. And then we mentioned it briefly last week, but it's been confirmed. Setson Bennett does not hold a degree after going to college for seven years at the University of Georgia. 
that's impossible. And I have three degrees in seven years. Yeah. Um, without all the resources a uh, college football player gets. Literally. So that's what we've got. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Um, Lakers in six. It seems like it's uh, it's a calculator. Or not a calculator. It's calculated at this point. Um, and we will... I, I got nothing else. Follow me at Christian Radio CFP. Follow the show at Book Off Pod. Jordan, anything before we go? Nope. You can follow me at... Uh, J- what is my thing? Jordan W. Forget- oh, my God. I forgot it for the first time ever. I feel like Dante. Jordan W. 330 on Twitter. Uh, go Bucks as always.